0: one verse in James and then we'll be in Kings. We'll be in 1 Kings 18. I'm going to read one verse out of James. James chapter 5. Tonight I'm just going to uh, be real with you. Uh, it's going to be some testimony, some of my heart and, and a sermon that the Lord has um, really laid on my heart. Uh, the last time I preached, I can't remember if it was two or three weeks ago, I preached a few weeks ago, and I said, I came up here and I told you, God had really been stirring, stirring my heart. And I believe it's of the Lord. if, If it's of an emotion, and if it's of me, you can know this, that it won't last and nothing will become of it. But I believe that God has stirred me. I kind of want to share a testimony with you. A little bit, a few weeks ago, God had put this sermon on my heart, and I was studying in Kings. And... I got to the end of the book of First Kings, and there was a prophet. There was a, 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 a one true prophet named Micaiah. and there's there's 400 prophets, 400 prophets of the king, and and they all give the king all that he wants to hear. And the other king there's the king of Israel and the king of Judah. The other king says, "Give us one real prophet." And the the prophet Micaiah comes forward, and he and he tells them, "Don't go." And he tells them not what the king wanted to hear. And the king said, didn't I tell you, he he wasn't going to tell me what the other 400 prophets told me. And the one true prophet, here's what they said to do to him. They said, throw him in prison and give him the bread and water of affliction. And I thought about that. The one man that was willing to stand for God and speak the truth. One and then 400, telling lies. The one that was willing to speak the truth. They sent him to prison and said, give him the bread and water of affliction. And when I was studying that, I had just felt like God had impressed in my heart, Branson, are you ready for the bread and water of affliction? And uh, I, not really knowing what that meant, I said, yes, Lord. And the Lord had stirred this sermon and stirred my fire, and I felt like God wants to move and do something and in our church, in our community, and our, our lost friends and families' lives. And within that week, I got, I got flu sick, and it wasn't real bad, I just flew sick. And then the next, the next week came. It was Christmas week, and I had hives all week long, and um, it's just miserable. It's very, very aggravating. And uh, Friday we got uh, stomach flu sick, and, and I thought it was gone, and I woke up and had the hives again, and went to immediate care, and I got the steroid shot. But I, on Saturday, as I was, that was yesterday, I was preparing for my sermon, and I thought, man, Lord, maybe I wasn't ready for the bread and water of affliction. But you know, I was thinking, through all that, God is so good. He's so good to us. You know, so many people have it so much worse. You know, we should never complain. You know, I'm going to tell you this right now. I got on my knees yesterday, and I, I asked God to forgive me. Forgive me for complaining and whining. You know, you read about some of these men in Scripture, what they went through. You think that's the bread and water of affliction. That's just a whole lot of whining and belly aching. if you ask me. God has been good to us. Amen? I appreciate all the praises that were given tonight. I want to say this. I'm thankful. God has been so good to me. Yesterday was my five-year anniversary, and I was thinking, man, God has blessed me. He's given me a a wonderful wife. He's given me a good home. He's changed my life. I'm saved. If He never does anything else for me on this side of heaven, I'm born again. I'm going to die and go to heaven for eternity. I lost my place in hell. I've got a beautiful son. I've got a baby on the way. I've got a good church. I've got a good pastor. God's been so good to me. Amen. That was me testifying a little bit. God's been good. Amen. And you know, I wanted to say this also with what the pastor said this morning. That was an awesome message. And I know I'm not your head pastor. Uh, I just want to say this. Uh, I second everything he said this morning. Now, I'm a young pastor and I, I'm training to be the associate pastor here. And I believe where God's called me. But I just wanted to say this. I, I want to be the best pastor to you guys that I can be. And I'm doing my best. I'm a young pastor. Those of you that... Everyone, I believe, that's that stuck with me, continue to stick with me. I know I'm young and I'm learning, but I'm crying out to the Lord. I want to die out to self and get out of His way and be a shepherd of the sheep that He's called me to be. I'm going to continue to press forward and do that. I love you guys, and I am called to be a part of this body. I fully believe that. With that being said... Uh, part of me said this morning after Joplin preached, how can I preach this sermon, Lord? Uh, you know, uh, that same weekend, you know, when the Lord began to stir me and I was studying in Kings and God had laid the sermon on my heart, a book kind of fell in my lap by Charles Finney. Uh, anybody ever heard of Charles Finney? Old time revivalist, early 1900s, right Pastor? A.W. Tozer with some of those guys, I guess he was a little bit later, but uh, put this book in my lap and I started to read it. And while God had already been stirring in me about being revival and while God had already been stirring in me about uh, the sermon in Kings, this book fell on my lap. It was by Charles Finney. It was called How to Experience Revival. And some of it, and you'll hear some of it tonight, some of it was very, very uh, 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 in my face. And I wasn't expecting it, convicting. And I want to say this, with the sermon that was given this morning, but the message that was given this morning, that is so true. I stand behind every single word our pastor said. And I started thinking about that this afternoon. I said, Lord, how can I preach a sermon after he said that this morning? And I thought about this. I said, you know what? God's got his hand on this people here. He does. God's got his hand on us. And you know what? Everything he said this morning is true. And he's going to continue to challenge us. God's going to continue to move. And you know what? The Bible says, pastor preached it two weeks ago. If my people who are called by my name, you know, I used to think this. I used to think that revival was when a bunch of people just started getting saved. Remember Pastor preached it two weeks ago? If my people are called by my name, that's us. When we when we start coming to God, it begin. You know, I used to think revival comes when, when Jacob Berry comes or when when Danny and them come. No, no, no. When my people who are called by my name, that's me. That's you. Revival. You know, a bunch of people start getting saved. That's, that's the end result of revival. You know what the beginning result is? Me and you. It is. It's our prayer. It's when we start to get real with God. Amen? We start confessing sins. We start getting the things out of our life. You know, uh, Charles Finney said this in the beginning of that book. He said, listen, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. Praise God. We've got a people. I believe this. We have a people here in this place that are real that want to continue to move forward and have an intense desire to see God move. Amen. With that being said, how, how many of you, all your friends and your family saved, you've been praying for? Friends, I want to say this. I, I'm telling you, I believe God wants to do something great. You know, the pastor said it this morning, hey, we may not see an earth shaking revival before the end. But you know what? We could see a derby shaking revival. We could see a wichita shaking revival. We could see an America shaking revival. We can still see God move. And I'm believing. I'm believing as God's stirring. And I believe He's gonna challenge us tonight. And I believe the few I believe those of you that are here, I honestly believe everybody that's in here, you're here for a reason tonight, amen. I thank you for coming out tonight. I'll share with you a testimony. Charles Finney shared this. He was in revival, early 1900s. They were already in the midst of revival. And uh, he was going to, he was in some town traveling. And he went to a machine shop. Apparently he knew somebody. It had a machine shop in one of the towns. He goes in, and they're touring the place. And it's kind of middle of the week through the revival. And the guy's showing him around, and this woman sees Charles Finney, and she recognizes who he is. And she stops and snickers and looks at him, kind of making fun of him. And he stops and he looks at her. And he just looks at her with sorrow and a burden on his heart. And she kind of starts getting a little agitated, you know, not used to that. And she broke her string on her machine. She looked back and he was still looking at her with that sorrowful look in his eyes of love and forgiveness. She soon got agitated. She looked back and he was still looking at her like that. She began to weep and cry. He went over and began to minister to her. And she became convicted of her sin. He ministered to her. She she got right with the Lord right there. Other people around noticed in the machine factory started coming. People started being convicted by the power of God. Just convicted. A renewed sense of conviction. And they came, and the boss of that company that day decided, and he was a worldly man, decided to stop and shut down and have a prayer meeting right there. The next day, there was 3,000 people there converted to be saved. That's revival. Amen? That's how that book started off. That's his testimony. I don't You know, when I, when I read that, I thought, man, God is powerful. God wants to move. And then Pat Joplin's sermon a few weeks ago had stirred within me. My people are called by my name. But God led up my heart. I've been studying in Kings. I started reading about Elijah. and Something hit me. We're in James, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are in James chapter 5, verse 17. James chapter 5, and verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I skipped a verse before that. Oh, that's good. Let's read it. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Did you hear that? Oh, that's good. Listen. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Listen. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Now listen. We hear this verse all the time. I want you to just stop for a second. Give the Lord your attention. Try and grasp a hold of this. We're in the New Testament. We're in the book of James. And here's what he says. He says this. New Testament to you, church. Church of the Living God. The fervent prayer. Now they'll keep all that in order. That's important. The fervent prayer of a righteous man, it's his righteousness. Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, accomplishes much. Elijah was a man with a like nature, like us. You know what he's saying? New Testament. Church, listen, Elijah is like, it was like us. Here's what he's saying, New Testament. A paraphrase. We can pray. Like Elijah. That's what he's saying. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about that just for a second. We can pray like Elijah. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't. And then when he prayed that it would, it did. Now, this was by the word of the Lord. And I'm going to get ahead of myself, but listen. Bible says, New Testament. You with me? We can pray like Elijah. We can pray like Elijah. Let's look at Elijah's life. Let's look at. We're going to look at three stories here. We're going to be in First Kings, First Kings seventeen. We're just going to look at uh, uh, three, um, three stories in, in Elijah's life. Lord tells us, Holy Spirit through His Word, the New Testament, to you and I, we can pray like Elijah. Now listen, 1 Kings 17, verse 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Elijah, excuse me, I didn't give you the back story. Elijah staying with the widow and his son. Uh, we're picking up a little bit on the story, but this is where I wanted to begin. Elijah staying with, uh, with a woman and her son. Okay? Verse 17, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and his sickness was so serious, but there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him up to the, excuse me, and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Praise God. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, "Remember, we can pray like Elijah." Then he cried out to the Lord and said, "O oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son?" And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, "O oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him." Listen to this blessed verse. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. Did you hear that, church? Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper room into the house, gave him to his mother, and Elijah said, See, your son lives. We can pray like Elijah. We can cry out to the living God. He hears us, church. He hears us. You know, sometimes uh, I was thinking about this with Elijah and Elijah... Elijah was Elijah's predecessor. Uh, he followed after Elijah. You know, in the Old Testament, Elijah was the man of God. He represented, he, he was God's man. God's representation. He was the advocate. You know, they didn't just go and pray like we do. We can just go to the altar. We can just go cry out to God because we're born again Christians. We've got the blood of the Lamb who was slain. We've got our advocate. We've got our high priest in Jesus Christ. Amen. We can come forward and we can come to him anytime, boldly, confidently before the throne room. Amen. But they didn't, the, the cross hadn't happened yet and they had to go to the man of God to get to God. And you know, I thought about this. You know, with Elijah and Elijah, There was times where people were willing to do whatever it took to get to God. They were doing whatever it took. We see here Elijah in his prayer. He cried out to the Lord three times until the boy revived. Until it happened. Church, I want to tell you this tonight. Continue to cry out to God until it happens. Don't give up so soon. We don't have to go to the man of God anymore. We can go to Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, uh with Elijah, there was a woman, her boy was sick, and she had to go on a journey to find him and she found him and, and and you remember naaman Naaman wanted to be healed of his leprosy, and he went and he he went on the journey, and Elijah told him to dip seven times to be healed in the Jordan. Remember the axe head uh, went into the water. you know I thought about this everyone who came to elijah elisha, everyone who came to the men of God, their question was never. Is God willing and can he? Excuse me. The question was never, is the man of God willing or can he? That was never the question. You know what the question was? Flip that. Are you willing? Naaman, are you willing? Are you willing to dip seven times? Are you willing? Church, I want to tell you this. There's a price to be paid. There's a price to be paid if we want to see the Spirit and the power of God move. I'm telling you, God wants to move. He wants to save your brothers and your sisters. He wants to save your family members. He wants to save these people that we've been praying for. And I'm to tell you this, we've got promises of God that we can grasp onto. And we don't have to continue to move forward. Sometimes I wonder, do we give up so easy? Do we give up? How many of you, if God comes back in ten minutes, have lost friends and family that's going to die and go to hell? Have you prayed for them today? Have you cried for them today? Do you need to be restored? What needs to happen? Do we give up so soon in prayer? Have we given up so soon? Friend, They may be one prayer away. You don't know how the parables may be getting close. I challenge you, church, don't give up in our prayer. Continue to cry out to God. He can and He is willing. Continue to cry out to Him. Continue to pray. Elijah, he prayed three times that the boy would be revived and he was revived. There's a price to be paid. There's a price to be paid if we're going to see God move. And it comes if my people were called by my name. Us. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing? Are you ready for the bread and the water of your affliction? You know what? When we get real with God, the devils are going to get real with us. Hey, guess what? We don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. He'll never, Jesus, He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We've got promises. All the promises of God that we've got. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. We've got so many promises. We just need to dive into His Word, grasp onto Him, and hang on to Him. Hosea 10.12 says, break up your fallow ground. Cry out to the Lord. We bring that up, Rick. Hosea 10.12, cry out to God. Break up your fallow ground till he rains down righteousness on you. What is fallow ground? I'll tell you what fallow ground is. Fallow ground is ground that's already been tilled up. Church, that's me and you. Fallow ground is ground that's already been tilled up. That's become desolate and hard, and it needs to be tilled up once more. It needs to be tilled up again. See in Hosea ten twelve, he says, "Break up your fallow ground." I'm not word for word, but I'm close. He says, "Break up your fallow ground. Cry out to God, and till He rains down righteousness on you." Break up your fallow ground. Sow for yourselves righteousness. I had it memorized in another translation. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. That's us. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. Did you hear that? Break up your fallow ground, seek the Lord until He rains righteousness on you. Now I said, we are the fallow ground. It's already been tilled, but it's become hard and desolate. It needs to be broken up again. So part of the challenge of that book, I don't want to take full... Uh, some of this I'd gotten, some of these points from, his, from Charles Finney's book. He, I, I thought, he said, when we break up fallow ground, He said that ground needs to be retilled again. He said, we need to start confessing our sins to one another. Start confessing. He said, when we break up our fallow ground, we start to get real with God. We start to get into the nitty gritty, getting the things out of our life that need to be out of our life. We cry out to Him, and then the Lord will rain down His righteousness on us. He started listing some things. When I read it, I thought, oh, man, I don't have anything to to repent of. I don't have anything to confess. I started reading. He he, he lists. uh, There's a a list. I'm going to give you some of them. He said, ungratefulness. I want you to think about this. Now, I'm talking to you about seeing revival, seeing God move. I'm talking to you about it starts with us. If you want to see God move, we have got to break up our follow ground and cry out to God till He rains down unrighteousness upon us. Now listen, to break up our foul ground, we need to start confessing our sins. Think about our, your ungratefulness. I want you to think about all the times God's been good in your life. I want you to think about, I'm talking about listing them, naming them one by one, all the things God's blessed you and taken care of you, all the good things He's done for you. Have you praised Him for every one of them? Have you lifted up His name? Have you thanked God for all that He's done in your life? You worship Him the way that you ought to. Confession of our neglect to our family in Christ. We have a good church. And praise God. Pastor said it this morning. We've got the spirit of unity here. But church, the pastor said this before. That just doesn't come. It doesn't just happen. We've got to continue to hold each other accountable. You know one thing, uh, if we're not careful, uh, the spirit of the world will kind of come in. We'll kind of have that attitude, just kind of mind your own business. Well, where have you been? Where you been, sir? Where you been? Hey, if somebody in your family is a born again Christian and they started missing or you see it, saw them getting behind in their faith, would you not say something to them? Why? Because you love them and you care about them. Hey, how much more, our brothers and sisters, are we in here? Should we not hold each other accountable? Do you hold up your family in Christ? Are you are we praying for one another? Are you praying for your pastor? Are you expected when we come into these services? Are you? If not, it's something we need to confess and get right with God about. Worldly mindedness, envy. Have you ever seen someone praised in church? You ever seen someone praised and lifted up, and you didn't like it in your heart? That's envy. That's something that needs to be confessed. Often we can have a critical spirit. You ever been critical of someone's ministry, critical of someone in the church, and it wasn't confessed? That's foul ground that needs to be broken up. That sin that needs to be confessed to God. Slander. Listen. Caught this one. Telling the truth. You know, I thought it was like a lie or something. Listen. Telling the truth with the intent to injure. That's slander. Telling the truth with the intent. You know how small and how quick that can happen? Telling the truth with the intent to injure. You know, that could just be just a comment. Just quick and pass. You see, we start naming our sins one by one. We start naming our sins one by one. You know what happens? Praise God. We start getting real with God. And we start confessing our sin. Amen? And guess what? Our fallow ground starts beginning to break up. And guess what? Guess why we're doing it? Because there's people here that are real, right, Lindsay? Because there's people here that want to get real. I know you. I know that God, I know there's people in this place. I know that you guys want to see God move. And you want to see uh, your lost friends and family saved. How many of you would like to see that in the next week? and the next month? How many of you? Why can't we? Why can't we? We can pray like Elijah. Is, I love his confidence in prayer. His consistency in prayer. Hypocrisy. Praying and confessing sins. Oh, this is a good one. Hey, oh, I've been guilty of this. Lord, help me. He he said hypocrisy. How many of you had sin and you prayed about it, but you never really intended to stop it? Huh? That's hypocrisy. How many of you? I've done it. I've been there and I've done it. I said, oh, Lord, I know this is sorry. Oh, Lord, I'm wrong. Until Tuesday comes around, I'm planning on doing it again. Oh, man, maybe it's something even so small. Oh, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. Oh, it may may just seem small and stupid to somebody else, but you know it. You never really intended. You actually never gave it to God. You just knew that you should say it. You know, it's hypocrisy before God. We need to confess of that. Confess it. Robbing all this good. Robbing God. Misspent time and talent of all God has given you. I want you to think about this. All the talent God has blessed you with, the health God's blessed you with, your time and your talent, what are you spending it on? Are you robbing God? Oh, to Him is given much, much is required. Are you robbing God with all the talent and the time He's given you? Are you? If you are, it needs to be confessed. It needs to be confessed. Why? Because we're going to break up our fallow ground. We're going to get real with God. And we're going to pray to God. And we're going to cry out to Him until He rains down righteousness. Why? Because it's not about us. Because we want to see God move. Because we want to see our lost friends and family saved. Because we want to see revival. How many of you got excited when I shared that Charles Finney uh, testimony? Is that not powerful? Friend, our God is the same. He has not changed. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. He will hear us. We can pray like Elijah. We give up too easy in prayer. I'm telling you, we give up too easy in prayer. Are you listening to every whim of the Spirit? And I want to tell you first and foremost, and all these things, and my sermon tonight, I was convicted myself. And I've been trying to get right with God. And I've been trying to break up my fallow ground. I want to listen to every voice of the Spirit. Every move, every whim, every time He tells me to pray. Because I'm ready to get real with God. Because listen, our hope is not in this life. And you know, I was guilty of that. My hope and my joy and my dreams is yours in this life. Think about it. It's your hope and your joy and your dreams here. When you think about uh, your hope, when you think about good things. Listen, it's not sin. It's not sin. I Listen, I want to live a life and have a relationship with my family. That's not a sin. That's not a bad thing. But where's your hope? placed? Is it here? Is it in this realm? Because we're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're not home. I'm just a stranger passing through. If heaven's not my home, Lord, what will I do? I love that old song. Our hope's not in this life. It's in eternity. We must fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. We're not home. you understand that tonight? Do you understand that tonight? We are not home. We're not home. But praise God, we're going to be. We've got to pray. Cry out to God. Don't give up so easy in prayer. Uh, uh, Chapter 18, verse 41 of Kings. Chapter 18 and verse 41. Talk to you about continual prayer. About breaking up our fallow ground. Not giving up. Chapter 18 verse 41 says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the, then he bowed down on the ground, and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked, and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Praise God. Did you hear that? Elisha prayed. He cried out to God. Did you hear? I love, I love his confidence in his prayer. You know what? Elijah believed his prayer was answered before the answer actually came. Did you hear that? There was nothing. He goes up to pray for there's rain. He goes up and he says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I hear it, but there's nothing. He believed his prayer was answered before he even asked it. What confidence in prayer. And guess what? He knelt down and he prayed. And he sent his servant back seven times. Seven times. And finally, he looks back and there's a cloud the size of a hand. Listen, to pray the will of God. Elijah, he was praying the will of God. Listen, to pray the will of God, we must put ourselves in God's will. Did you hear that? To pray the will of God, put yourself in God's will. We grasp onto those promises. Look at the promises we have in John chapter 15. Abide in me if my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That is a promise to you and I, church. Christian, are you hearing me tonight? That is a promise to you and me. How do we abide in Him? By keeping His commandments. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Do you know the promises that we have in Scripture? Elijah prayed. He prayed God's will by putting himself in the will of God. Praise God. He heard it before it came. I want you to ask yourself this. Have you been praying the way God's called you to? Do you have that strong confidence in prayer? You know, you know what? God loves a strong confidence in prayer. He does. You know, I remember this happened here in the church maybe about three years ago. Sitting there in the back and Joplin was sitting where Rick is. And I remember I heard somebody say this. Somebody said to Joplin, it was something about a prayer request. Somebody said something. I remember exactly what it was. And Joplin looked at them and said this. He said, well, if you want me to pray it, I will. And if I pray it, it will happen. And I remember I was just telling you, Lord forgives me. You you forgive me too, brother. This was three years ago so. I remember I I thinking this about the pastor when he said that. I said, "Who, who does he think he is? Probably who the Bible says he is. That's probably who he thinks. What, uh, what confidence in prayer? You know what we say? I want to tell you this. You know what people today would have said about Elijah? That he's cocky. That's what they would have said. Can I tell you something? Elijah was not cocky. He was confident. Do we know who, what, who and what we are? Do we know? that? I mean, are you, are, Is what I'm saying to you tonight just going in one ear and not one out the other? Do you understand the promises we have in Scripture? You understand, God's trying to tell us, you can pray like Elijah. Ask whatever you wish. You see, if you pray, if you pray and seek His face, if you abide in Him, place yourself in His will, you will pray the will of God. Ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. God loves, listen, I'm almost done, i got one more point. God loves a strong confidence and prayer. God loves that. God loves it when someone comes along and believes Him. You know, you know, most people's response to that, maybe I'm wrong and maybe it was me and hey, Lord's forgiven me long ago. You know, but most people's response is probably the same as what I thought. We don't have that confidence in prayer anymore. Nobody does. We don't believe, we don't, we're not willing to say, come out and say something like that. But why not? Think about what Scripture's told us. Think about what the promises are given to us. God loves confidence in prayer. In chapter 18, verse 31. Chapter 18, verse 31. I'm going to give you a, a, a part of the story so I don't read it all. There's 850 prophets of Baal and the Asherah. 850 false prophets. And there's one, Elijah. And Elijah says, Gather all the people. We'll have a showdown in front of all Israel. We'll have a showdown to prove who's the one true living God. He says this, he said, we'll build two altars and we'll put a bull on each one. We'll build the altars and whichever God answers by fire, whichever God answers by fire, that is the one true God. OK. Elijah lets them go first. They put the bull on the altar and they begin to cry and to dance out and cry out to Baal. They call out to their God to cry out, to, to, to answer by fire, to consume their sacrifice on the altar. Not surprisingly, nothing happens. You know, it gets later in the day, and and they begin to cut themselves and bleed. And and Elijah says, "Where is your God? Maybe he's gone on vacation. Maybe he's just not home. Maybe he's just not hearing you. Cry out loud, louder!" And they do, and obviously nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn, and here's where we pick up, chapter eighteen, verse thirty-one. And Elijah took the twelve took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on burnt sacrifice and on, wo- on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Did you hear that? Like had his he had his altar built in the bowl. And not only that, he has them soak it. He has them drench it. There's so much that there's water around around the altar. says, So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Listen, this is his prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood licked up the stones and the dust and it licked it up the water, that it was, the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. I want you to notice this. Elijah never prayed for fire. Did you catch that? He never prayed for fire. He prayed for God's name to be lifted up. He prayed for God's name, for God to be exalted. When we do that, we're always praying God's will. I told you about putting yourself in God's will. When we do that, you're always praying God's will. He prayed for God's name to be lifted up. He prayed for Jesus Christ. He prayed for God, Jehovah, to be glorified. When we seek His face and cry out to Him with all our hearts, when we cry out to God to be exalted, the fire always comes. He is a consuming fire. How we need the fire of God again. Amen? We need the fire of God again to burn brightly within us. In our testimonies, in our witnessing, in our lives, in our prayer. May this lost and dying world, our friends and our family, may they see us lit on fire again for Jesus Christ. Through the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire came upon Peter. He preached and 3,000 were saved. I would read the sermon Charles Spurgeon wrote. He said, many today were calling that disorder. Many today would call that disorder. Charles Spurgeon said this, May God send us a season of glorious disorder, if that's disorder. We need the fire of God again. We need to be lit with God's zeal, with His flames, with a strong, what a strong confidence Elijah had as he poured the buckets of water on the altar, as he prayed for the name of God to be lifted up and exalted. Praise God. Listen, when we look for God's name to be exalted, He'll answer us. He'll always answer. The fire will always come. I want to say this tonight. With all that said and those stories, Chris, our worship team will come. With all that said, think, I want you to think about everything that Elijah did. I want you to think about his confidence in prayer. I want you to think about his unwillingness to give up until God answered. I want you to think about it. He placed himself in God's will. He abided in him. He placed himself in God's will to pray God's will. Now, church, I want you to grasp hold of this tonight. In the New Testament, the Bible says we can pray like Elijah. I don't know about you, but I am ready. I'm ready to see Shauna and Brady and Brian. I'm ready to see Garrett saved. I'm, I'm done playing games. I'm done not praying when God calls me to in the middle of the night. I'm done not getting real. I can just tell you this. God has stirred me and awakened me. He stirred my flames. He's increased my faith like never before. I want to, not only do I want to, I am believing. I can see my lost friends and family. I I want revival just in my own family. Not alone, let, let alone in your family and in this church. Not only am I, I don't want to just come up here and talk about it. I'm believing this, that we can grasp onto, grasp onto the promises of God in Scripture. But listen, are you willing to pay the price? The question is never is God, can He, and is He willing? Are we willing? If my people, were called by my name. Are we willing? Listen, if you're getting this. Revival starts with us. We can grasp onto these promises. We can pray like Elijah. We can see thousands saved. We can see our lost friends. We can see them healed. We can see our land healed. We can see people saved. I'm ready to take a hold of it. I'm ready to do whatever it takes, Lord. Hey, give me the, the whatever. Because guess what? Even with the bread, the water, the reflection, no matter what, you know what? We have got it's so good. But you know what? Even if we don't, our hope's not in this life. We're straight.